I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think it's a Herculean challenge, but it's also just a thrilling assignment. And to piggyback off what Adam was saying, I think it's so tough for Burkhart or if it's Adam or it's Joe Davis, like to try to say which points are interesting, which points are not. Because I remember watching the All-Star game and like I-, I could tell what Joe was doing. He was almost reintroducing each player to the audience. It's like, well, maybe you haven't followed baseball all year. But to a guy like me who's following it day out, I'm like, are you really going to explain who each guy, like, Julio Rodriguez got called up May 20th. And since then, I said, I'm like, oh my God. So like, it, it is such a tough job because you're going to alienate the diehards and go, you think I don't know Jill Hurts played at Oklahoma? But at the same time, there are people who have never watched these teams who are watching one game a year, spouses, et cetera, kids who are like, all right, so you really do have to give that information. So I think for Kurt, similarly, it's like, don't overstate the obvious. So you do have to approach it as if people don't really know much about these guys. You can't just assume everyone knows Patrick Mahomes' dad played baseball. And yes, that will be annoying to the guy who's heard it 100 times, but to a new audience, oh, he's had a, comes from an athletic family. His father played baseball, Minnesota Twins, rolling that B-roll. Here we go again. So I think you almost have to trick yourself into thinking the information is fresh to you. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. We have returning guests this week. I asked them to come back because they are a, uh, they were excellent the first time they were on together. And I mean, when you think of the Super Bowl, who else do you think of but Adam Amin and Adnan Burns? That's right. Yes. That's right. What's more American than the, than the children of immigrant parents talking about the most American sporting event on the planet right now? Hell yeah, man. I'm in Canada. Bring all the damn immigrants here we can. That's right. Look, looking to be, I want to be a global power. Bring every immigrant you can, <laughs> This is it. Way. This is the coalition. Yep. Adnan Burke is a host for MLB Network, NHL Network, as well as his film podcast, Cinephile, which this company, Cadence 13, produces. And Adam Amin, as you know, is a Fox Sports broadcaster. You see him on the NFL. You also have seen him on baseball. He is the television voice of the Chicago Bulls as well. And I think I feel like I just read this somewhere, Adam, that uh, you you, you beat Jason Benetti in some kind of like readers. Was it a readers poll or was it just no, one writer was, who called it? it- it was it was a Richard Deitch uh, disciple of sports media writing for <laughs> this particular none. city. There, <laughs> that's that's all it was, and it was nothing more than that. All right, but but, but, but I got the, but I got my but I got my front page on the paper, and my mom thought that was really cool. So I'm I'm cool with that. That's, yeah, that's and, a, I'll and, take that as a win. And and you know this, like any, I mean, literally, it could be like. Uh, uh, like a junior high school who like names a broadcaster like top whatever, and yeah. like they're the agent, like is getting that thing to ESPN or Fox. Like how fast are they doing that? Well, it's funny because like I remember years ago I worked at the Score in Toronto, and William Houston was a sports media writer for the Globe and Mail, national newspaper. Yeah, and he just it was like two sentences. We were doing March Madness, me and my buddy Sherman Hamilton. And he said, Burke doesn't get much credit, but he ranks among the best sports hosts. And I was elated. I must have bought six copies of the Globe and Mail. I'm sending it to my dad, my, oh, my mom. 
And this guy says, because you're on television every day. You're on television five days a week. If this matters more to these two lines of print, they go, absolutely. This will yeah. live forever. My work is ephemeral on television. This print <laughs> will live forever. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, again, obviously, I guess I'm a benefactor of this, but it is fascinating how much executives will weigh like someone like me writing something versus like literally the talent in front of you that is doing the job in front of you on a daily basis. It's like, it's it's just a human nature thing. Like I, I think we it, need I, I, external I, I, praise basically. I, I think it goes for anything, right? It's, it's a, uh, to, to use probably a, a cliched analogy. It's the, uh, the, 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 the people in high, the cool people in high school don't want to date you until one of them realizes, Oh, maybe he's all right. And then now all the cool people are like, is he all right? Oh, he might be all right. Like it's it's a it's a weird residual snowball effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, human beings suck, basically. Adam is what you're trying. Pretty to much say. is what I'm saying. Yes. All right. That, by the so way, let those me were the big takeaways the last time we did this. I, I everyone was like, "Hey, love the pod." I loved Adam's just completely dystopian view of life right now. Like, everything <laughs> sucks. So I look forward to Adam picking it up from last time. And my big takeaway, by the way. Yeah, my big takeaway was you dropping uh, Nick Khan's salary, uh, client like salary of other clients. That was my big takeaway, which I love. Nick, Nick's right, in Adam, the news, so we'll talk Nick in a bit. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Adam. Let me start with you here. I know you have not called the Super Bowl, okay? But you you've called significant games, and yeah, hopefully one day you will. Um, from from a outsider's perspective, who happens to be an insider, which is you, um, what do you think the challenges are this week for Kevin Burkhart? Uh, I think for Kevin, who is already so good at being on top of what's important and what's not, like he's really good at prioritizing information. Uh, I think one of the best things Kevin does is he doesn't overload you with stuff. Like it just the the preparation he brings often comes at the right time. And I think what makes he and Greg good is he really lets Greg operate in that large space of what is football. And he really compliments it well. And I think the hardest thing about going into this particular game of any game that he has done, and he's done big games in his career, he's done plenty of playoff games. He just did an NFC championship game where, you know, whatever it was, you know, half of, you know, 50 million people or whatever going to watch it anyway. When this big of an audience comes out, my, I, I can't speak directly for Kevin, but for my, my spot, I would be like, all right, am I trying, what, what information do I want to give? Cause this is a whole season worth of cumulative information for both the Chiefs and the Eagles. And he's seen both of those teams at various points, more so the Eagles, obviously. And it's like, which what information do people need? Because we get very much into the weeds in week nine or week 13 of everybody kind of knows the Jalen Hurts story by this point, or at least what's applicable and important and pertinent to this particular game in week 13 over the course of the first two and a half months of the season. Now you're like, are you? am I introducing this player completely fresh to a completely new audience or how do I balance like the hardcore people who all be obviously have watched a bunch of playoff games or maybe have watched all 20 Eagles games going back to the preseason this year. How do I introduce these guys? What information is important? What's pertinent? And you can either start top down and go chronologically uh, you can go from the inside and try to work your way outside. Like, hey, this is exactly what he did in the NFC Championship game, and let's start there and only there and try to build out from there. Or do we start at Jalen Hurts was born in Texas. He played for his father in high school at Varian. Uh, you know, he, he power lifted 600 at, at Oklahoma. He started his career at Alabama. He was the second-round pick behind Carson. Like, how much of this do you give to allow an audience, which is brand new for the most part, 
and is significantly casual compared to any game you've done all year long, how much information and what information and at what time and, and, and to what level of pertinence is this info coming in and when do I disseminate that along with balancing the things that have made Greg and I so good this year, uh, the balance of football back and forth. That That's the toughest thing I think for Kevin this week or this, this coming week. Adnan, um, have you, you've obviously hosted uh, significant um, studio assignments, but remind me, have you ever done a finals in any sport? The college football final did the post game a couple times for ESPN. Yeah. Which was a okay. lot of fun. Are, yeah. Okay. So if you are Kurt Menefee, like, what do you think? You got a you got a host a five hour yeah. studio show. I, I you know I don't have, I haven't seen the lineup. It's possible like Carissa Thompson may host like some of that. But generally speaking, Kerr Menefee is your guide until you get to Burkhardt and Olson. So if it's you, what are the challenges that Menefee has on that day? Yeah, I, I think it's a Herculean challenge, but it's also just a thrilling assignment. And to piggyback off what Adam was saying, I think it's so tough for Burkhardt or if it's Adam or it's Joe Davis, like to try to say which points are interesting, which points are not. Because I remember watching the All Star Game. And like, I, I could tell what Joe was doing. He was almost reintroducing each player to the audience. It's like, well, maybe you haven't followed baseball all year. But to a guy like me who's following it day on day, I'm like, are, are you really going to explain who each guy, like, Julio Rodriguez got called up May 20th and since then I said, I'm like, oh my God. So like, it, it is such a tough job because you're going to alienate the diehards and go, you think I don't know Jill Hurts played at Oklahoma? But at the same time, there are people who have never watched these teams who are watching one game a year, spouses, et cetera, kids are like, all right, so you really do have to give that information. So I think, for Kurt, similarly, it's like, don't overstate the obvious. So you do have to approach it as if people don't really know much about these guys. You can't just assume everyone knows Patrick Mahomes' dad played baseball. And yes, that will be annoying to the guy who's heard a hundred times, but to a new audience, oh, he's had a, comes from an athletic family. His father played baseball, Minnesota Twins, rolling that B-roll. Here we go again. So I think you almost have to trick yourself into thinking the information is fresh to you. Now, I was watching broadcast news again the other day. Great film, obviously, William Hurt, yep. one of the great TV movies ever. And I thought it's a really good line. I'm sure Adam gets asked for advice for kids, and I'm, I'm going to start using this too. At one point, William Hurt's talking to Albert Brooks. For those who haven't seen it, Albert Brooks is this reporter, nebbish, neurotic, nervous, William Hurt, handsome, but bland news anchor, but he's got the look. And he tells him, when you're, when you're given the highlights, when you're given the information as a host, he goes, don't read it, narrate it. Like you're telling a story. Whenever you feel yourself reading, just stop. And you have to narrate and tell the story. So I think for Kurt Menefee, he has to feel like he's narrating a story. He's a pull-up kids, not in a folksy manner, but here's the story of this year's NFL season. Here's why it's so cool that the Eagles and Chiefs are now in this moment. But I mentioned the fact, I think it's gargantuan in that, as you said, five hours, like that's bladder bursting. Like already, I'm like, oh my God, I, I can't imagine those washroom <laughs> breaks. And think of the breadth of what he's doing. Like Adams as versatile as it gets. He's called every sport imaginable. And I obviously have my toes in the water of entertainment. But Kurt Benefee is going to do five hours. He's going to have some Grammy Award-winning singer who is a big fan of the Chiefs. He's going to have some cartoonist who did something for the Eagles years ago. There's going to be a human interest story. There's a Chris Connolly sad story. Tom Rinaldi is going to make somebody cry at some point. Like, as a host, he's going to have to use every single muscle, every single tool in his tool belt. And as Adam said, what Burkhart does so well, make Olsen look good. He's got to make Bradshaw look good and Strahan. And don't step on Howie Long's toes. And don't forget, I got my tidbit over here whatever it is. So it, it, it's going to be an amazing achievement for the host and everybody involved. I just think it's amazing. 
Yeah, and we shall see if Kurt Menefee has to uh, throw to Tom Brady at any point on that pregame sure. show. We will. Uh, Somebody was debating that with me, and I said, "Go. When would you do it if you do it?" And I go, "Well, six o'clock is when it officially starts with Anthony yes. Center." So I go, "I think five, five Yeah, I think five, if, if it's going to happen, five o'clock hour, yeah. unquestionably, yeah. right? You don't want to waste it at uh, not at two, two o'clock between a no. Pizza Hut sponsorship, <laughs> right, and a special teams <laughs> how do, profile. How, how on do the you? Eagles. How do you? Yeah, I, I have my opinion on it, I, Richard. If I was Brady, you, I wouldn't do. Well, first of all, if I let me just say this: if I was Brady and Brady's agent, I would not do it. You wouldn't uh, okay, do it. I know. Okay. Yes, I would. Here's what I. Th- this is my reasoning on this: if you're actually going to come into the booth next year, like I want my first Fox thing to be then. I don't okay. want it to be some quick, uh, glib three minute, four minute spot with Menifee. By the way, I'm sure Brady would handle that fine. Sure, but I wouldn't want that. I would want the first time you see me after I've prepped for months and I'm ready to go. Game assignment, boom. If you're Fox, honestly, I don't think it's that, uh, Adam, I don't, personally, I don't think it's that hard. I think what you would do is you'd ask Brady about the game and then you'd do some quick, like, uh, happy, uh, you know, uh, like local news talk with him about, hey, Tom, we're going to see you next year. What, like, I think, like, that's the segment. What about you? How do you I, see it? I would love if they did something because you have Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And you have Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady. These are the, arguably two of the best, I don't know, six quarterback tight end duos in the Definitely. history of the league. So give me a, you know, you don't have to do it live. I would say give me a breakdown of, you know, that that's edited down. You, Gronk and Brady breaking down Mahomes and Kelsey. Give me, give me 20 minutes of footage. Let me cut it down to a tight three or four minutes. And then if Brady's available and Gronk are available, have them do a minute, two minute follow up live as part of the pregame show. I'm sure you could do it live to tape, whatever. I-, I would love to see that if indeed that's what Brady wants to do. Now, if he doesn't know what he wants to do, don't force feed him in there because then the expectation gets raised, then the assumptions yeah. get raised. I-, I get that. And there's no reason to force him in there. But if you do feel like you want to get him out in front of people and he wants to do it, I think that'd be a wonderful introduction, nice, easy uh, entry point into doing it. And I do think it just based on just speaking with him a handful of times, like many of us are, are fortunate enough to do with all these players. He's a thoughtful guy when it comes to the game of football. He sounds like a guy who's been playing the game for a quarter of a century, right? He sounds like a guy who's thought about it and has contextualized his thoughts. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing that in a short stint in a, in a little burst, just as a little bit of a taste, as long as everybody's comfortable doing it. What about you, Adnan? How would you play it? Yeah, I think, listen, you're going to have 100 million people watching. Like, you, you, I don't just have the Lamborghini in the car idling in the garage. This is the time, man. Show it off. You got Tom Brady here. So I, I don't know the mechanics of it. I think Adam's got the right approach to it, but I, I, I wouldn't let it sit. I, I'm going to show off this baby here to the audience. Like, hey, man, All right. look what I got here before I'm done number one. Sorry, Greg Olson. Greg, you're great, but I got Tom Brady here. Like, it's, it's a tough spot for Greg, but I got to show off my shiny new toy here. Okay, Adam, I, you know, speak, it's a good segue, uh, Adnan. Speaking of Greg Olson, um, and again, we understand that you work for Fox, so, you know, be a diplomatic as if you must, um, you have watched this year, Greg Olson be praised significantly. Like he's had a very good year when it comes to, uh, like it, it, for whatever it means, you know, inter internet, t- Twitter sentiment, people like myself who write on this stuff, executives who've talked about it. He's had a very good year. Conversely, we've seen Tony Romo for the first time probably in his broadcasting career, really um, experienced some bad press, uh, significant bad press. 
uh, Al Michaels this year, all timer. Pro, you know, I don't even think arguably the greatest Agreed. NFL play-by-play announcer of all time. Agreed. He experienced some bad press this year. First time I've ever seen that with Al. Your colleague for many years, Joe Buck, uh, you know, took it all the time. He actually had a great reaction to it. He'd be very self-deprecating about Joe Beck. Joe Buck hates my team. Joe Buck this. Yeah. Joe Buck that. So he's a great. He's he's sort of great on that. You know, you're in a position still where like the wave of either praise or criticism probably hasn't come yet. But on that kind of level, you know, you're not doing games yeah. with 100 million. Yep. So I just want, from your perspective, I just, as someone who could be in that position one day, what, wh- how do you reflect on like what Olsen experienced this year, what Romo experienced this year, what Al experienced this year? Uh, I think for Greg, the best thing that Fox did was not uh, put Kevin and Greg on front street every single week and say, look at our shiny new toys. Look at the new people that are in your, in your number one booth in a Super Bowl year. Nonetheless, I thought it was really smart to not put that pressure on them and just let them get settled in in front of their new audience. And I'm sure there was plenty of criticism early on in the year. It's like, oh, well, these guys aren't Joe and Troy, or it's, it doesn't sound big or whatever it is. I, I read it. I see it. And I know those guys do too. What I love and appreciate about both of them, and they're both friends, and I've worked with Greg uh, on a fill-in basis a, hand, you know, a few times. Kevin is one of the all-time good people in this business, and he's excellent at what he does. They All they did was just show up for work. And just did the job the way they've been doing it, you know, for a year on on the other crew. They just showed up and did the job. And all of a sudden, you you look two and a half months into the year, you know, halfway through the season, and people are like, hey, you know, these guys are pretty good. Like, this is a really solid crew that they've got up there at number one. And now you get into the deeper games in the season. People are like, hey, have you guys, this is a, this is a nice, comfortable listen. Then you get into the playoff games, people are like, Greg Olson's really good. Holy shit. Did you realize Greg Olson was this good? Or, or maybe they're hearing him, as we said, for the first time, because that's when people start to tune in a little bit more. You know, a quarter of your audience or something like that probably checks in come playoff time. So people were like, this is a really good booth. And they just let them simmer and marinate and cook together. And now all of a sudden you have the meal when it's time to eat the meal. You go, wow, this was prepared incredibly well. And and I give Fox a lot of credit. I give Richie Zions and Rich Russo and and that crew a lot of credit because they did it right. And they let those guys who, who have quality, let, you know, let that quality shine through as time went on and let people get settled. I think that they're going to have a great broadcast. With, with the Romo stuff, all I can tell you is from a preparation standpoint, it's hard to be up on it every week. But I see the guy, you know, my partner, Mark Schlereth, the last few years, I see him every week crunching tape, watching around the league. He does talk shows and things like that, too. So I'm sure that's part of it. But he's constantly talking about the game and he's thinking about the game and he's watching the game. And I know that come Sunday, if I throw anything at him, he will be ready for it. And he's going to have an opinion on something. And it may not be the right, you know, it, it, we're not going to say everything correctly every single time. You know, we're, I might say something wrong situationally where it's like, oh, maybe they'll do this here based on what we've talked about or what we've seen. And they don't do that. And it's like, all right, well, do we look stupid? Not necessarily. I, I think it's okay to explore your thoughts or to not necessarily know, but it has to come from a place of preparation. And I'm sure that's what the criticism has been of, of Tony at times this year. And, and whether that's fair or unfair, it's not for me to decide. Uh, but I, I can understand why, like, that's the basis of any criticism. And for Al, the only thing I can say is that man's the best that's ever done this job. And it's hard for me to imagine get him having any criticism. If there is anything, it's all I saw was it didn't seem like a 27 point comeback was happening in a playoff game. 
And I don't know what an audience wants from Al other than, do you want somebody to yell at you? Do you want somebody to be excited? I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm saying that's been Al forever. He's always been right. steady. That's one of the reasons I think he's been so good is just his steadiness. He never gets too high. He never gets too low. He's always steady. And, and I think one of the best lessons I got from Al Michaels just reading uh, you know, interviews and books and things like that was when the temperature is at its hottest, you need to be the cooler. You have to be the coolest guy in the room because everybody else is going nuts. They're going, can you believe this? Can you believe what you're seeing? And he's trying to stay steady and calm. Now, whether the audience demands that now compared to what they demanded 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And by the way, the fact that I can say that about Al Michaels is pretty impressive that even 30 years ago, he was one of the elites and 10 years ago, he was one of the elites and five years ago and year, a year ago, he's still considered to be one of the elites is incredible. But I, I don't know what an audience necessarily desires from their announcer. All we can do is give it our style and do it the way that we've been accustomed and trained and the way we've cultivated our personality and style. We have to give you that. Otherwise, we're being disingenuous. That's Al. That, that's nothing shocking that Al was trying to be the steadiest guy in the room on that call. And then I want to ask you about studio stuff. Um, first, um, any studio talent who says that they don't read stuff about them is lying, right? Correct. Or your agent is, I mean, you agree, Adnan just as a, you're shaking your head. Yes. Right. I mean, come, you know, and you're by the way, somebody who got a lot of good reviews, more, much more positive than negative, but eventually this floated to you in some way. Correct. Yeah. If someone in your camp is aware of it, that's a good way of putting it. Right. Okay. Thank you. So that's, <laughs> I appreciate you sort of allowing that setup to get to this. Um, in your experience, how much did like, whether it was people who were on Twitter saying something, stories written about this stuff, how much do you feel like over the course of your professional career, like that impacted executives decision-making? I mean, this is your form, both of your former employers, I guess, but like ESPN's, uh, like NBA countdown show, right? How many iterations have they gone through to try to sort of make it work uh, in obviously in a comparison to inside the NBA, which is impossible. Um, we saw, we've seen the Monday night football booth change in order amount of times. It's always my perspective that, um, I guess I should be happy given I had done this for a while, but it's always been fascinating to me that television executives really get impacted by external as opposed to internal. And I feel like this may even happen more with studio positions than um, what I just talked about with Adam in terms of like game positions. How do you see it? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, social media and you guys have been great on this and I wish I could follow your lead more. The fact both of you guys both took a break from Twitter and Rich, I love the fact last time you were honest about it and unabashed and saying, I'm only doing it to promote my product. And I feel like that's the only reason yeah. I'm doing it. And I'm, by the way, I think here's some breaking news. I'm pretty sure I'm taking uh, the rest of February off once the, <laughs> once the dumb Super Bowl is over. And, and Adam has not looked back. Adam's on Twitter. But he doesn't post. He just check for information and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's the way it should be. He'll post random pics on Instagram where he's in France with the Eiffel Tower and a bull strip. But, like, but, <laughs> nice. but, but, but I think you guys, like, I, I, the more I'll look at social media, I go, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, I go on Instagram, I'm like, I don't care. It's so much narcissism. Everything's look at me. And then, of course, the answer is always, well, then if you don't want to look at it, don't go on. I go, yeah, it's on me. I should stop. I don't, I don't know why I'm looking at this because it's my fault. If I don't look at it, then I'm not going to get annoyed. So it's definitely not good for mental health. And I wish I could definitely follow both of your leads. I'm trying to cut it down a little bit. But in answer to your question, Rich, I think it's an it's a factor. It's an aspect. I don't know how much of it is. I think it depends on the executive, but I'm with you. If you had told me 20 years ago it'd have any impact, I'd have laughed in your face. Like I didn't jump on Twitter when it was first available. I was like, what is this? Twitter, twit? No, I'm like, I don't care, whatever. 
And eventually it kind of felt like, no, everyone's doing it. You should be a part of it. You're in the media. It's important to get your voice. It's good for your brand. And you go, ah, what does it even mean? Oh, we have a brand. No, no, but just whatever. When you're watching games, tweet things out. And then I would hear people say, well, you can tell how avid a fan they are by their Twitter. So this actually has some sort of meaning. Like you're, you're basing your evaluation of how I am as a sportscaster by what I'm tweeting. So if I'm not tweeting enough about sports, you don't think I'm passionate. Okay, well, now, now I have to watch and tweet at the same time. So I, I'm amazed that it has any currency. I think it depends on the shop, but I, I think it, there's definitely been times, listen, you can always get in trouble for it, right? Adam and I know that. I used to be, hey, watch yeah. it, just tweet. Don't tweet the wrong yeah. thing. Don't piss off the wrong thing. That's always my biggest fear of social media. There is more risk than reward, but I guess there is some reward in it. Again, as a basic news gathering source, absolutely. Kyrie Irving got traded. I'm going to find that out quickly on Twitter and see what people's responses are. But I always just look at the danger. You know, Herm Edwards, don't press send. Don't press anything after midnight. Uh, again, Adam can speak to this. There's been times, I'm sure, you and I have sent a tweet and then panic stricken. What if there's going to be some sure. sort of feedback, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, no, I absolutely. mean, yeah, the, I mean, you're, the reality for all of us is there's intensely more risk than reward. Like, it's not even sort of close, but you do feel, and I even, I, it's probably the reason I'm back, you do feel a gravitational pull to want to be part of it, to want to promote your stuff, because like you, you know, you, your organization only controls so much, right? Like you have this distribution, um, distribution engine that you could put it out. There's no perfect segue to this, uh, Adnan, but I want to ask you about Outside the Lines. You hosted this show many times. It had a significant meaning for you. I know what you think of Bob Lee. ESPN, uh, nice little Friday news uh, drop to Sports Business Journal announced that their linear product is done. Um, it's not surprising that it's done. I mean, I think it was heading this way, but I didn't want to just sort of get your thoughts. You know, there was a time, I could tell you having covered this for a long time, where whenever um, there would be just some idiotic, asinine nonsense on like the debate shows, ESPN PR could always hold up like, like, yeah, all right, we're taking the hit on this, but like this week, Bob Lee, Willie Weinbaum, Adnan Burke, and TJ Quinn, Jenna Janavoy, like there's a we're doing we're do, we have we have a we have a week long series on like Pat Tillman's death and what really happened there. Like they could always hold up like these really unbelievably well done stories. Uh, didn't not all of them had to be investigative stuff, but just like this, was, they could hold this up always as like, okay, you want to knock us for this? That's fine, but like we are serious people, and here's an example of us being serious. And um, I don't know, that's kind of, I guess, in a way. I mean, I it was inevitable. I knew it's pretty obvious it was coming. I mean, they've been cutting it to the bone. So many people have been laid off, but uh, I don't know. I I I, I read that news on Friday and. Uh, maybe it's just me getting older. I just I felt very bummed out about it because it just felt like a like an era that really was now gone. Yeah, I'm with you. Definitely the end of an era. I remember the first time I got to fill in on the show, and I was talking to my buddy Deuces Rogers who had filled in, and he goes, "The key is like you got to hit the ground running." He goes, "Like the meeting at eight fifteen, those guys come in like sleeves rolled up, digging in. Like there's so many things Adam and I have done in our career which are like just so ridiculous. You know." hot dog eating competitions and like <laughs> foolish 24 hour college basketball marathons. You go to that meeting and you know, okay, I, I don't want to sound self-serving, but you feel like it's important. Like you're like, if, yeah. if ever there's a journalistic muscle that wanted to be stretched today, you're going to use it. And you walk in that room. And as you said, normally Bob Lee's hosting it. I'm like, this guy's an icon on the Mount Rushmore of ESPN people. He's there and you're filling in his seat. You better feel that pressure and that responsibility that weight. If not get out. You got Steve Vecchioni, Dave Brofsky, like, you know, heavy hitters in that room. 
And as you yeah, said, really, the, the subject matter, like it's important stuff. When they're throwing out stuff, it's not something as casual as, you know, why is it Mike Trout won a playoff series yet? It's, hey, gender discrimination, racial discrimination, homophobia, concussions. Like, wh- which of these issues are we going to do today? Because we've got three other ones coming down the pipe. And are you going to be able to handle this properly? And John Sawatsky was so great, uh, great Canadian. He would do uh, interviewing seminars for us. And he was so invaluable because he said, you know, the key is, especially with OTL, like a panel show, and this was such good advice. So you have three different people. And let's suppose we're talking about Title IX. He goes, that what happens is you ask one question to person A, a different question to person B, and a third question to person C. But that's incorrect. You're supposed to ask the exact same question to all three people. Let them all have mm-hmm. to say, and then you follow up. And, of course, the best questions are the follow-ups. And our, our great friend, Steve Bunin, who was as good as it gets. And I don't know if Swat's going to say it publicly, but he's like, listen, Bob Lee's the man. But you're not going to find a better interview than Steve Buna in this building. And Steve was awesome at doing outside the line. He was the number one fill-in for Bob. And what Steve was so great at is it's open, lean, neutral. That's the cue of the questions. Open, open, right. and as we all know, lean, very short. But this most important one is neutral. So the yep. issue is something hot button, right? Something particularly to me and Adam. It's about racial discrimination. But I can't ask a leading question. It's got to be in the middle, right? It's just, what do you think of this issue? Why is that important? How did that impact you? It's just short, openly neutral, and you're just getting the story tell. But I remember that first show, we do the meeting and it was on concussions. And afterwards, I was thinking, like, how do I approach this? And again, it's kind of like what Adam was saying, like, less is more. Like, just just ask the questions, keep it short. And Becky only was so funny. After we did the show, he goes, I got to be honest, I was a little worried about you. <laughs> in what respect? He goes, well, at the pod, you're kind of like bullshit. Like, you know, you're telling stories, talking about movies, whatever. And I go, is this guy going to be ready? He goes, but once the, once the lights were on, he goes, you were, you were a professional. Like, you, you put the journalistic hat on and you were great. And we'd love to have you. We'll have any time. Remember the movie City Slickers? At one point, Billy Crystal's talking with Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby. What's the best day of your life? What's the worst day of your life? Best day right. of my career ever had, easily. I got to fill in for Bob Lee on Outside the Lines. And then ESPN got me car service to New York City. And I got to fill in for Keith Olbermann. And I remember going back at <laughs> like 2 in the morning going, God, take me now. I filled in for Bob Lee and Keith <laughs> Olbermann on the same day. I said, I'll never, ever be able to top this day. And I'll tell you a quick Bob story. What a great guy he was. Because, again, you feel that responsibility filling in for this guy. And you, you don't see him. But, of course, he's going to come in the next day. How'd the kid do? Is he okay? Right? Like, if he's not to stop. And I saw him. And I was at my desk typing a company. He goes, I've got good news and bad news. He said, yeah. He goes, he goes, the good news is you're young and handsome. The bad news is I'm back tomorrow. I said, no problem, Bob. Whatever you <laughs> I said, I'm just happy to keep the seat warm for you. But I, I'm with you, Rich. Awesome. There, there's very – I don't know any other show that was doing that. There was no other show – that was being that provocative, that intense, that focused, that important, you know, at the risk of being self-serving. There was nothing else that did that. But real quick. Yeah, like, Adam, let just, me. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, no, I was just going to say, I, uh, yeah, I want to get to, I mean, one, Sawatsky would kill me because yeah. I'm asking way too many double-barreled <laughs> double questions. Double-barreled is a big one. <laughs> Adam, you should offer whatever you want to offer. But the reason what I was going to ask you, given that you're younger than both Adnan and I, is like, do you. I don't know if like there's a place for that show for a 27 year old sports fan who honestly just wants to like debate like is the Kyrie trade good? I so, I, I, oh. I think the space is weird because that that's an important space to fill, but what it's become is separated from what sports journalism used to be. I think sports media and sports journalism are more separated and divided than maybe ever. Um, I, I think how we how what sports media is considered and i hear that term thrown out by players by people around the nba it's like you know the media this the media that and when they're saying the media 
they're talking about Skip and Shannon. They're talking about right. Stephen A. and Max. And they're talking about the debate shows. And they're talking about even like an NBA Today type of thing where they are doing a little bit more of the gossip or the drama. And I, I'm using those two words loosely because I don't think it's gossip yeah, yeah. or drama. But I, I'm sure it's perceived as such for inside people, you know. So I think that's what the media has become. Whereas outside the lines used to be just another fold of what sports media was sports media used to be all of these things it used to be the highlight show the game there was a synergy of all these things because we were all in a sense covering the same thing we're just here to cover the game and then depending on what the peripheral questions are this might go into the journalism space this might go into the debate space this might go into the analysis space and that's all well and good those lines have been so divided now and and that's much like that that's a um, a snapshot of media in general that could be news sports yeah. anything across this country and i'm sure in canada too uh, i think that's just how the absorption of of this information has changed so i think there's a spot for outside the lines there needs to be frankly a spot for an outside the lines type show for investigative journalism for for deep stuff that does branch off into a more politicized you know landscape than we've ever seen arguably there needs to be those types of questions being asked and answers being delivered truthfully honestly and contextualized they just seem to be more divided from the original core of what sports media is than ever before you make a great point i just sort of want to say this um because you're right like there really is a difference between sports media writ large and sports journalism like what katie strang does at the athletic yeah. is a brilliant reporter it's far different than what i do like i'm i'm a realist and yeah i certainly will occasionally do journalism but she's doing to me like yeah. the real important journalism that needs to be done and that, now one of the frustrating things has always been for me it feels like the fight may be even over because like it's just it's hard to sort of even have the the conversation with people who don't want to be open about it but away from sports, when people sort of say media, capital M, writ large, and like even they're talking about cable news, it's very frustrating because like the the person covering city or like uh, city housing or zoning board meetings in Grand Forks, like North Dakota or covering like whatever story is impacting that community is far different than like Don Lemon on the morning show of CNN saying X about Donald Trump, right? Yeah. But yet- it's always a capital M with a media. In the same way, by the way, like what Ad, Adam Amin does is very different than the person who's like doing a deep dive investigation on like something with the FBI. Yep. But yet you, both both people are classified into this capital M, which is so frustrating. In a lot of ways, it's also obviously monetized intentionally to cre create debate. Um, but I, I, unfortunately, it doesn't. There's not enough people who sort of are willing to, I feel like, listen that like, there's no homogeneous media. Like it's made up of literally a hundred thousand different people with a hundred thousand, uh, different jobs. But one last thing on OTL, uh, Adnan, before we finish up on some fun stuff for you, movies wise, I think cost wise and how much it costs to do OTL and how much like journalism can cost, by the way, sometimes you pay for stuff and it never even makes air yeah, sure. just cause you can't get the story. I don't think it's coming around again. I, I just, I think, Whatever OTL was, like, will still be handled, like, by the Don Van Nattas or Seth Wickershams or, you know, TJ Quinn types, like, on stories that are done on ESPN.com or the New York Times, the Athletic Washington Post. But I do not see a linear television or streaming product once HBO Real Sports is done. Like, I don't see it happening again. I just think no one's going to invest the money in it. I hope to God I'm wrong, but I 
that would be if you ask me like what my guess is, that's my guess. I did want to say thank God for HBO's Real Sports, which is still outstanding yeah. to me, still a must watch. Those guys are yeah. all amazing. Frankel, Gumble, uh, the whole crew, they, they do an amazing job. Murray Carrillo. But you're right. And the frustration for me goes to this is if you ask these executives, I'm sure they will bluntly say, well, the ratings aren't there. To your point, it's very expensive to send a crew to go cover Right. whatever guy in Siberia for a week-long, month-long study, which is going to result in a 20-minute feature. Like, like, we can't validate that. Especially the ratings aren't going to be right. there. And if I put it on ESPN2 at 1.30. Right. I mean, and here's on. my thing to that. A couple of counters. One, I'm with you. Yes, there is a market for it, and you can always find it. But two, listen, studios, when, when you, in movies, not every movie is made to make $100 million. Not everything is Wakanda forever. Sometimes you make movies for art for right. art's sake. Sometimes you do it for Oscar nominations. Sometimes you do it to get buzz in other ways. So... Not every piece of product has to be, we need a maximum of eyeballs. No, no, we can make our money and do that elsewhere. Sometimes you should do things that are important, that are critical approval ratings that are important in the cultural zeitgeist. That is meaningful as well to say, hey, this is something we're trying to win Emmys with. This is what we're trying to change lives with. And this is what we're just trying to make some money. You can, you can do both and codes this both. Yeah, that's, you know what? That's a great. I mean, who did who did your favorite movie, Top Gun? What studio did that? <laughs> Paramount. They love Tom Cruise. Yeah, Paramount. Yeah. I know. I know Paramount, like Paramount should be should be financing going clear the great documentary anti. Pay, I was going to say Paramount. Yeah. Paramount does smaller art yes. art house ish kind of films, do, right? Yeah. So that's yeah, like sort of, like, like uh, Adnan is is viewing sports media now in the landscape of what's Paramount, what's MGM, and what's A twenty four. You know, like what yeah, like he still right. wants to live. We want to live. I think he and I both want to live in the A twenty four space as often as possible, and then on a minimal basis enjoy the Paramount. So. Yeah, well, the way to do it, as you know, is to make the money from the Paramount. Exactly. To enough feed so the A24. One for you, one for me, right? That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's how, that's how it should be done. All right, here, let's finish up with this, because, I mean, Adnan has a very big cinephile taping coming up very <laughs> soon. Um, one of the things that I, I have really liked about 2023, Adnan, and I don't know how much, Adam, you've watched. Hopefully, you've watched a little bit of this. I know you have a very busy schedule. But, like, uh, Breakpoint... What I yeah. saw on Netflix, I thought was excellent. Yeah. Welcome to Wrexham, I loved. I, I think that is my favorite sports documentary, certainly of the last 12 months and among of all time. I loved, it's a very different kind of piece too. This is more journalistic. The Apple TV War on Football, the Super League one that was done by Jeffrey Zimbalist, who did two Escobars, yeah. phenomenal. Um, there's obviously, uh, you know, Drive to Survive, and we're getting some more of these kind of stuff. But like, you know, as someone who loves film, right, and who um, I think sees the kind of stuff I just mentioned, like uh, maybe in film terms more than like sports terms, it feels like we're in a great like sort of um, place right now for these kind of like docu series because I've been the ones that I've seen the last couple of months have been phenomenal. Yeah, I used to have. Remember, there was this great boon of '80s sports movies, particularly baseball movies. When we were growing up. You're like, oh, every year there'll be something else coming out, whether it's you know, Field of Dreams or uh, you know. Bull Durham, Bull Durham, and, like that major right, league, that, that, right? Like for that, like yeah. late '80s was like every year, and now like you go to the movies, Eight Men Eight Out, Men Out, to great one in '88. Like you don't see a lot of like sports movies coming out these days because eventually they realize, well, they're all so formulaic. You know, how can you make these things fresher and different? Woody Harrelson's got a movie coming out, Champions, by the way, uh, next month, which I haven't seen yet, but apparently that's got a, a sports movie vibe to it. But what's happened is the good news is this: rather than the conventional rags to register we're all used to seeing. They've gone to streaming and it's more about like real life stories and documentaries, as you said, Rich, that has become more fertile territory. And what I love about it is, as you said, it's not just doing the obvious. Again, we're going to make 
a documentary about Michael Jordan, which everyone's going to see The Last Dance, and it's going to be great, and all the rest of it, and historic nostalgic. Right. But then you can also make, like you said, Breakpoint. Like, if you're a tennis fan, you can watch that and go, this is fascinating stuff. Like, Nick Kyrgios, an hour yep. on Nick Kyrgios? I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting down to watch it. This guy's a riveting figure, whether or not you like tennis or not. And the welcome to Wrexham, I mean, you've been described as the Ryan Reynolds of sports media, so I'm not surprised. We've all said, we've all heard <laughs> yeah. that often, actually. Yeah. But, but, yeah. Slightly, a little taller, Mr. But, Reynolds. But, but yeah. again, the classic fish in a water tail, right? Hey, we'll take these Americans, but over in yeah. England, trying to learn their culture. So you have some elements which are familiar. Wales. Wales, Wales. Man, England, Wales how dare you? The United Kingdom. Right. But it's funny. It's fresh. It's irreverent. And I think when it's streaming, you can afford to take chances a little bit. And people love the series. They love these, you know, shortly contained packages. So you say, all right, six yeah. part series, 22 minutes each. Like, yeah, you can binge watch that in a weekend. It's It's been fun to see. And I think it's good to see them taking chances and exploring that territory a little more. Adam, what about you? Uh, you're as a, as an NBA guy. Uh, anything for you uh, stand out? Because you know we've uh, at this point, like I feel like a- there's a lot of particularly a lot of athletes who want in the game here. Yeah. So we're gonna see, we're gonna see these projects in every sport. This is this is only gonna continue further. Like the Warriors just had like their docu series. Essentially, I don't know if it was yeah. self produced or whatever it is. Like Draymond Green is is really leaning into that as well. I thought the Redeem Team Netflix uh, documentary was yeah, just like fascinating, that. and and part of it is the nostalgic element of it. I think you need quote unquote star power. Wrexham is an easy thing to have an entry point into because it's Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney. A break point is an easy entry point because Nadal is in there and like Kyrgios is in there. And like you see guys that you're familiar with, you see names and faces that you're familiar with in other territories. It doesn't have to be in that sport or in that world. As long as you're familiar with them and you have the right premise, you can lean into it. So Redeem Team, they plug the Kobe Bryant stuff from the start. And we're leaning into that story about the, the Olympics and playing against Pau Gasol. And you watch that two-minute clip, you're like, I want to watch this thing because there is a nostalgic element to it. So there has to be a familiarity with it. The, the best sports document documentary I've seen of the last couple of years outside of The Last Dance is probably Maradona that Asikopedia yeah. did. Uh, just oh, an amazing, amazing yep. uh, elemental documentary about his background, the world that he was occupying. But he, again, that's a name we know, the hand of God. We know this moment and we know he's an incredible player and a tortured figure. So how do we get to experience that? It's I understand the subject material has to be there and appealing and uh, cultural and fairly universal. But the way the stories are told is still what's going to make people either come back or appreciate you know, the, the self-containment of it. Yeah, that opening of Maradona when he's traveling like crazy high speed to Napoli is just uh, the, uh, the, the, that, oh. the the Todd Terje song that they use on that like just yes. it, 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 it <laughs> immediately That's an, an amazing uh, reference. <laughs> I think it, I think it's called Delorean Dynamite. If you guys want to hear uh, figure, uh, look yeah, that yes. up, it is an, it's an inc- I actually did know that it's it's an incredible like eighties my almost Miami Vice type feel, and you're in this yes. fast car, and you're the cutting. Asif Kapiti is one of the phenomenal yeah. documentarians we have. Absolutely. He's an incredible Stand filmmaker. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right, Adnan. But I we got. I know you got to go. Is there anything you want to add about Nick Khan, who is on the precipice whenever WWE either sells or goes private? Not that the guy needed any more cash, but I mean, you know, we're looking at tens of millions of dollars coming down uh, that guy's way. There's a guy who may. Could we see Nick Khan ever buy a sports team? You think that's of interest? I would love that. But I, I'll tell you this. I'm not sure it is. But yeah, I remember. He's making the rounds, which I'm just so entertained by. Because remember years ago, <laughs> I know the guy claimed the 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 dude claims he doesn't like to do interviews and stuff, yeah. and like literally, 
It, like the only podcast he hasn't done is cinephile. <laughs> like I'm loving it. He's everywhere. He told me because I don't I don't want to be ever in the public eye everywhere. I'm loving it. But of, of the many interviews he's done, which have been so entertaining, the one we did with Simmons, which was great. I'm sure you listen. Yeah, Rich, yeah. Listen. it was interesting. One of my favorite yeah. parts of it was he told me years ago. It's been four years now since I got let go by ESPN. At the time, he said to me, hey, just anyone ask you questions about what happened or just in life? Because you can use this wherever you want. He goes, never ask the question you were asked. Answer the question you wish you were asked. That's amazing. Right. Because, yeah, listen, I was a former lawyer. I know how to do these things. I'm like, right. So I'm laughing. He did that with Simmons a lot, so by the way. <laughs> asked him about Stephanie. And Nick started talking about, because how old's your kid now? And Simmons tells him, Ben's whatever. And Nick goes, oh, yeah, my son, Sonny. Yeah. He talks about Sonny's doing all the wrestling moves now. He's imitating it after watching it. And Bill says about missing a beat. Hey, that's great. We didn't answer my question. <laughs> that's just so good. Yeah, he did that. I would say, I listened. It was certainly a very, very interesting interview. I would say Khan went 30% of the time, whatever Simmons asked, to literally like some other topic. It was very Patino-esque. <laughs> no, that was the first experience was, of right. anybody. I, I, when I first did a Louisville basketball game and sat in on, on an interview with Rick Patino and asked yeah. him a question, he completely yeah. dodged the question and answered the question that he wishes <laughs> I had asked him and gave us an incredibly thoughtful answer. And I was yeah. like, probably better than the question I asked anyway, <laughs> so I'll take the information happily, but I, I noted, yeah. noted. The guy, I mean, he made a point to put over the people. He put over more people than Bobby Heenan did in his own family, like Andre the Giant and King Kong. So it's very clear great line that he had, a, he had an agenda. There. But on the Tony Khan was great because Bill goes, hey, what do you think about Tony Khan? I thought his answer was so yeah, good. Yeah, that right? was – he goes, listen, was, I, I love the dad, Shad Khan. The kid. Pa, yeah. Yeah, the, kid. the kid's coming in. Kids do a lot of talking. He's, let, me, let me ask you this. How's the books look? I'm like, exactly. It's okay to talk a lot. Hey, we got some of this. How's the books looking? Because I can tell you how WWE's looking. We're a publicly shared company. I'm like, great answer by Nick. Great. Well, I would say this. I mean, the he definitely took the, Tony Khan, by the way, is not a kid. He's like 36 <laughs> or 37. It's a little bit of a shot there to uh to do you know, you praise the dad, the dad, right? And then and then you do the hammer on the kid. Yeah. No, this is why I mean, listen, there's a reason why people are successful. Yeah. Like they they just can yeah. do it. All right. Adnan Verk is uh he's a host for MLB Network, NHL Network. And the film podcast, Cinephile. Who is the guest this week, by the way? Uh, we have a guest. His name is Joseph. I forget his last name. I'm going to find out. I'm going to interview him in a minute right now. We just have Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban. Right? Just listened to, I just listened to the Balaban Bob interview. Balaban. I mean, all-time name and unbelievable career. Midnight great, Cowboy. Great character. Seinfeld, Deconstructing Harry, Gosford Park. I mean, the guy's done everything. Wes Anderson how about, films. How about Cody, by the way, getting all completely prepared for the interview, bringing in a bringing in the review of You People this week? He was, yeah. he was on it, man. Give Cody some love. Listen, Patrick Antony, I know, is a great producer for Chris Cody, my producer, he is. is tremendous. He is always locked in. And this week, he watched you people. Cadence he took the me. Yeah. Cadence 13 has excellent producers. Uh, Very good ones. They always have. You go back to my, uh, uh, you know, the, the my Blue Pellegrino days. They've, 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 yeah, they've all been okay, good. Okay. And then finally, uh, Adam Amin is a Fox Sports NFL play-by-play broadcaster. MLB play-by-play broadcaster. And, of course, the voice of the Chicago Bulls. I did have a question to Adnan for Adam. I never got to it, but I uh, I had like a whole Game of Thrones kind of sequence like to figure out how Adam could knock off Burkhart and Joe oh, Davis God, and get no. the... Adam's calling the Super Bowl one day, whether or not Burkhart or Joe is there. <laughs> don't worry. He doesn't need to kill anybody. He's fine. I don't, I don't, yeah, that doesn't need to happen, I brought <laughs> At least I hope it doesn't have to. We call for like Google or whoever eventually gets Super Bowl in like, you know, 2040. That's what I'm saying. It's impossible, right, listen, to, impossible to predict. Hapless it is venture. impossible to predict. I appreciate you guys taking the time. I you did this on very short notice, but um, but I thought you you guys would be very fun to get together for uh for Super Bowl week. I will absolutely have you back if you're if you guys are willing. And uh, 
continued success. We'll obviously see uh, Adam uh, in the immediate days on uh, Bulls broadcast. Adam, uh, what about you? When will we? When will people listening see you? Do a little now? NHL Network this week, and of course, pitchers, catchers next week. And we'll be tonight. We'll be back in full swing. So I can't wait, man. Stay warm. Sweet. Toronto has the All Star Game twenty twenty. I know. Morty, you got to come I'm up for that, right? I'm already making a pitch right out of the bosses. I'm like, hey, yeah, South yeah. Florida was great. You got to be the Toronto guy, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can sell sell them on your Canadian. Yeah, I'm, I'm saving that, them right? on the hotel alone. I'm, I'm staying at my parents' place. No per diem. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. That's the easiest pitch. Honestly, the easiest pitch. Like, yeah. you don't have to pay for for a, half of this stuff. Great. Right? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. But that basically you're in. <laughs> basically, tell them you'll you'll have. Uh, Tell them you'll get Mr. Sub, and you're all in, basically, <laughs> at that point. The pizza stuff. Mr. Yeah. Sub is a nice Toronto Love reference it. there for Adam. All right. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, all Adam. Right, thanks, Rich. All right. Back in the studio, my thanks to Adnan Burke and Adam Amin. Those guys are always great and obviously longtime friends, and uh, and you can hear the chemistry between them. So I, I much appreciate them coming on this week, uh, especially Adam. He's got a tough uh, or busy schedule with the ball. So very cool of him to come on. Um, previous podcast, uh, earlier in the week, we had Chantel Jennings and Sabrina Merchant on super teams in the WNBA, what that means for women's basketball coverage and what they expect from, um, Brittany Griner coverage this year. I think you'll find that interesting, even if you're not a women's basketball fan. Katie Strang came on to talk about her reporting of a doctor facing 27 counts of criminal sexual conduct, many involving former male hockey players. Had Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson on this podcast January 27th. They talked about a lot of stuff, how they're going to call the Super Bowl, um, what their year has been like. I think you'll find that interesting. And then you can head down the list of of archive stuff, whether it's Al Michaels, uh, Malika and Kendra Andrews, um, TJ Quinn, Tara Sloan, Stephen Brunt. There should be something that uh, you'll appreciate. If you like this kind of stuff, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That is how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Cadence 13, and thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.